Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Everybody good? If you're doing good, put your hands together. Real loud, like. That's awesome. Man, I love this. This is my favorite month uh, for multiple reasons. Obviously, one is... uh, College football season started, so that was an exciting day yesterday. Um, how many Bulldog fans in the house? I figured that, so you can boo. We won. We're still the national champions, and so um, another reason, it's, we, I don't know about you guys, but I woke up this morning to a crisp fall 92. That was exciting this morning. Uh, it's uh, September is another exciting time because um, all three of my kids were born in the month of September. I was married the month of September. As a matter of fact, we celebrated 32 years this past week. So she has tolerated me for 32 years. And so that's been exciting. And obviously, it's the 930. And my, the 930, honestly, you'll, you'll hear a little bit more about it in a few minutes when uh, you'll be introduced to a friend of mine, uh, Wendy, that will explain to us uh, why we do what we do. But it's been for 19 years now. We've made this month um, a really important month as far as prayer and fasting. And if you've been here around any length of time, it's a big deal. And we watch God move in great ways. We watch a lot of uh, extravagant generosity happen afterwards. We see a lot of people start to serve. We see a lot of people come to know Christ. We see lots of baptisms. Um, We actually kicked the whole uh, month off this past uh, Monday by celebrating 10 years at CR. And that was exciting. So uh, if you're part of CR, that was amazing. God was at 16 baptisms, I think we had on Monday night. That was great. And so we were led in worship. So, But we're starting a brand new series. um, And I'm not going to say it's my new favorite series. It's going to be one of my new favorite series uh, that we do here. It's called Our Father, and it's it's based on prayer. And for the next four weeks, we're not going to just teach because like you can academically understand what prayer is, but prayer is about doing it. It's about figuring it out. It's about walking through the process. Um, and so it's like, it's like this. Um, how many people do something? Raise your hand. If you do something really well, like you can be, this is one moment you can be proud. Like you, you hunt or you fish or, you know, you, you, maybe you shop real well or, you know, whatever else you, you, you do. Real, so if you do something, I'm not going to ask you what it is. Like one of the things that I, I, I proud myself in, I come from a family um, that likes to cook. And so um, one of the endeavors that I, I started, my wife is a really good Southern cook, like all the Southern things. Her mom, you know, passed down like really good, like that kind of stuff. But I wanted to learn to cook. So I started learning to cook about, I don't know, 20, 25 years ago. And I've become a fairly decent cook. Like I can cook, like I can cook, I mean, not like, like ramen noodles. Like I can cook, like, you know, like I got chicken, pica- and, I, and I'm a smoker, not this kind of smoker. Um, <laughs> But I like smoking things, and so um, and so I've, I've become fairly decent at that. And, and you know what I've learned, though? Because the very first time I ever smoked, anybody have, like, I, I, it was awful. It was the worst thing I've ever, t- like, it was in there for 16 hours, and after 16 hours, I thought it was done, and, and you know, t- put the temperature gauge, and it's still, like, registering 125, which I thought, by pork at 125, it's perfectly safe, right? So we started slicing it up, and I'm like, oh, you know, like one of those moments. And But as I've gotten and done it more, I've, I've become better. It's like, it, it's like preaching. It's like whatever you've done. You you didn't just wake up one morning, and you were great at whatever it was. The preaching, I, I, I spoke my first service um, back in 1992, okay, 1992, I get a phone call at 10 o'clock at night from our pastor, Marty Baker, pastor of Stevens Creek Community Church. He calls me because he's rushing himself. He's getting taken to the hospital to do an emergency appendectomy. And he goes, you have to preach in the morning. Now, I've never done it before. 
And so <clears throat> I, like, I, I want to be confident. I want you to keep my job. And so, yeah, I'll do it. So all night long, I spent the whole night, 38 pages of notes. 38 pages of notes. It took a whopping three minutes and 23 seconds for me to do all that. Like I rushed through it. But, but now I've gotten, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty good at this, right? Like I'm pretty good at this, right? Yeah. Okay, so, like, help me here. I had a rough crowd. <laughs> but you know what I've learned? Um, those things there you learn by doing. As a matter of fact, there's a principle, it's called the 10,000 hour principle, that by the time you do something 10,000 hours, if you do it for 10,000 hours, you'll become an expert at it. And what about our lives? Like all those things, it took time. And you know what I've learned? Prayer is the same exact way. It takes time. No, nobody, like, I, nobody gets up, like, because my first couple of prayers were like so bad, it's not even fun. Like, I don't even know if God, like, God was like, oh, that was really bad. But it's one of those deals where after a while, you start to get, you start to understand the heart of prayer. You start to understand the reason for prayer. You start to understand, you know, how God, God listens and how God speaks back. That's a real key component to prayer. You know that? It's not just talking to God. It's listening to God and hearing what he has to speak. And so over the years, I've learned um, a, a couple key components to prayer. And I, I just want to share with, real quick uh, just uh, some things that I've learned. Just they become clear over the years. Is first, prayer is profoundly complex mystery that we have a tendency to oversimplify. And so like, it's, it's prayers, like all the aspects of prayer, it's like, oh, and sometimes we want to get there and just pray. And I get that. And then also this is, it's profoundly simple process that we've also made it complicated. You know, Jesus says, come to me like a child. That, that's how he says he wants us to come to him. And the third thing, and it's a really, this is one of the most important things I've learned to pray by praying, by actually, by, by praying. And I've learned to hear his voice by, by, by him speaking to me and, and being quiet in those moments. And so this whole month, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about praying. We want to connect with God. We want, we want you to connect with God. We want to, as a church body, connect with God and understand what his voice sounds like. So when it comes to prayer, scripture has a lot to say about prayer. And I'm gonna give you three real quick ones, okay? First thing is we are told, we're encouraged to pray about everything about everything that's going on. I love this. Philippians chapter four, verse six. I don't believe in prayer formulas, but this is one of those like, wow, this is pretty good. Don't worry about anything. I'm, I've got a master's degree in worry. So that one really speaks to me. Anybody else? And just, just me, master's degree? Okay, like I had a bachelor's degree until a couple of years ago and then COVID hit. Now I'm like, I, I can teach professor in this thing, right? So don't worry about anything. Instead, I love this. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and then thank him for all he's done. I think there's a little, there again, I don't believe in formulas, but there's something really, really good here. Instead, pray about everything. And that means the little things and the small. I had somebody get, like, we were sitting there one day and they, they said, well, I, you know, all these people that pray for parking spots. I'm like, he tells us to pray about anything, right? And so I think you should pray about that. I should also think you should pray about the big things, right? So it's not just these, you know, these huge, like, you know, you find out you have cancer and we start praying. It's praying about everything. The second part is pray without, see, hey, by the way, I'm praying for parking spots. Don't pray against me when I'm praying for a parking spot. All right. The second thing is this, pray without ceasing. First Thessalonians 5.17, it says, never stop praying. And, and some of us are going, well, I can you all day long. Well, Yeah. You know what that means? You're maintaining an attitude of prayer where God can speak to you and you're speaking to God. Sometimes it looks like I'm speaking to myself and I'm crazy when I'm in my car talking, about, but it's one of those deals where I'm in constant communication with the Father and that's what he wants. The other thing is, or the third thing is, pray for God's peace regardless of the outcome. That's where we struggle, isn't it? 
Because we want the outcome all in this like this little sterile petri dish. Like, I want you to do it this way, and this is the only way. Like, you're going to give me this raise, and this is how you're going to do it. You're going to give me this job, and this is how you're going to do it. You're going to give me this relationship. This is gonna, you're going to break this addiction just like this. And God goes, no, 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 no. The, the whole point is not you being pleased in this thing. It's him being pleased in this and him being honored. So sometimes he does it a different way. But the ultimate goal is that we would find peace in regardless of the outcome. And that's where we struggle. This is what Philippians 4, 7 says. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. So he doesn't, like, like when he does his stuff, sometimes we don't understand it, but he gives us peace. And it says his peace will guard your hearts and your minds and live in Christ Jesus. So an ultimate goal is regardless of what the circumstances. But here's the problem. Where do we start? Because a lot of us don't even know where to start to pray. How do you start to pray? Today, we're going to talk about the Lord's Prayer. I think that's a great starting point. But it was interesting because I, I heard a story about two kids. They were or two guys. They were watching a football game, and they got into this conversation. I don't know how they got into it, but they got into this conversation about re religion. And the guy was like, "Yeah, I'm pretty religious. I go to church all the time. I know all the stuff." He goes, "Well, I bet you don't know the Lord's Prayer. If you were raised in the Catholic Church, it was called the Our Father. I don't know if you remember that or not, but that's what we called the Our Father. You know, which art in heaven that, that part. Well, he goes, "Yeah, I know it." He goes, "I bet you twenty dollars you don't know the Lord's Prayer." He goes, "Man, it's a piece of cake. I know that one. I know the Lord's Prayer." And he goes, now I lay me down to sleep. <laughs> and the guy goes, man, I can't believe you. He throws the $20 bill down. I didn't realize you knew the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> now, that's the way we are sometimes though, right? Ignorant about what God wants from us and ignorant about... So what we want to do for four weeks is we want to talk and we want to look at snapshots from Jesus' life. And the first snapshot we're going to look at is this Lord's Prayer that we read about it in Luke chapter 11 and Matthew chapter 6. But, but there's three other snapshots we're going to look at. Next week, we're going to take a look at, which I am more excited about next week than any other week uh, in the series, though I'm excited about this week. And you'll see in a minute that I get more excited as the day goes on. But next week, we're going to talk about the prayer that Jesus prayed, Father, make them one. And what would happen if the church was one? Well, not, not, not Journey Church was one. That would be good. But what if the, the whole kingdom, the, the kingdom of God was one? And then we're going to take a look at the snapshot when Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And we're going to talk about forgiveness and not just the one-sided part of forgiveness where we ask for forgiveness, but the other part where we are forgiving people around us. And then the trespass part when Jesus is being, being tempted in the wilderness and how he handled temptation. And we're going to talk about that today in a second. Now, this is where I want us to do today. I want us to go back a couple thousand years, and I want us to put ourselves in the place of these great disciples, these great people that were walking around with Jesus. Now, I don't know about you guys, I would love to have been there 2,000 years ago to see the things that Jesus did. Like, I'm telling you, the feeding of the 5,000, oh my goodness, I would have loved to have been there. I would have loved, how many people would have loved to have seen that? Like, like thousands of people and he, a couple fish and a couple loaves. And by the end of the day, there's 12 baskets full of left. And, and, and as a matter of fact, if you know the stories, it actually happens twice. I would have loved to have been there for that. Man, you know what? I would have loved to have been there when Jesus was healing people. Like when, when the paralyzed man was dropped through and, and all of a sudden he gets up from his mat or the person in the pool of Bethesda, the, the angel of the Lord just stirs its wing and he gets up. Like I would have, whoo! Or when he spit in his hand in the mud, like I want to do that one a journey. Like I want somebody like, pow! Oh, you, you only got a hangnail? That's okay. We're doing this. That would have been awesome, right? That, that would have been, like that would have been, how about this? Oh my God. How many people, when he's casting out demons, and he sends them over the side of the cliff and pigs. Oh my goodness. 
I mean, these disciples were walking with Jesus. They had everything right there. And Jesus asked the question, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want me to teach you how to do? They could have said anything, any of those things, or maybe a hundred more, but that's not what they said. In Luke chapter 11, we get a glimpse of what's going on. The disciples are in this process. Jesus is praying, and it says in verse 1, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of the disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to, whoa, 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 no. Not teach us to cast demons out. Not teach us how to heal people. Teach us how to pray. There must have been something so substantial what they were watching, how Jesus was praying and how he was connecting the Father that they, they were drawn into this teaching. They were drawn into this learning how to pray. So Jesus goes, you want to learn how to pray? I'm going to teach you. Matthew chapter six, the same account, two different viewpoints. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. He's talking about people that are religious people that think that, that they have it all. Like they, they, they pray the best, best prayers, but you know, you know that God's not even moving in their lives. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that, 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 that is all the reward they will ever get. Verse 6 says, but when you pray, go away by, your, by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on like the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask. And then he goes on, in the next verse, uh, he says about fasting, the same thing. When you fast, he says, like, don't, don't, don't do it so everybody can see it. And then, then Jesus goes, watch this. Now, I want you to notice something, too. In verse 5 and in verse 7, he said, when you pray, not if you pray. When you're praying, this is how you do it. And then Jesus said this, pray like this. What a glorious passage of scripture that the savior of the world is gonna teach his people how to pray. Think about that for a second. When we don't understand how to do certain things, the savior of the world says, I'm gonna teach you how to do this. This is how to do it. So he says, pray like this, in this mode, our father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who've sinned against us. And don't let us lead, uh, don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And some of you are going, that's not the one I read. We're reading from the NLT because I can read by the, the NLT. It's my gig up here. But you know, you probably know it, the Lord's Prayer. Same concept. The passage of, uh, is such a gift to us as, as believers. And so today, what I'd like to do quickly in the next 15 or so minutes, look at five aspects of this Lord's Prayer that we can learn how to pray. And the first aspect is this Lord's Prayer shows us, number one, that we should seek God first above everything else. Back in 2020, challenging year, you all remember COVID broke out. I was, uh, if you're not from, uh, from Journey or this, you know, you just started coming I took a sabbatical. Um, I just Sometimes in our lives, we get out of center, and I need to get back in the center, so I asked the elders to give me a couple weeks off, and so I was supposed to take six weeks off and just kind of get by myself, and in the midst of that, we had COVID, so four and a half weeks back, I get a phone call from Alan that COVID hit, and we're going to cancel church altogether, and so yay, that's exciting. So, but one of the books that I was reading, and I was uh, one of my counselors suggested this book, and he just—it was by a guy by the name of uh, Hans Kung. It was a 702-page book, um, and it was called this "On Being a Christian." So, on being a Christian, I read the whole book. Now, here's the problem with this book: it was single-space, ten font, 702 pages. It took me like eight years. 
Like, I, I think I'm on chapter two right now. But I skimmed in front, right? Because that's what we do. We, do we ever really read everything, right? So I'm, no, I, I read 700, and, you, and I get to the end. And do you ever read a book and you just feel like, hmm, something's missing in this? Like something's just not there. And I started doing some research on this author, and he, he admitted that in the midst of all trying to get this book written and get it done and the deadlines and all that, he forgot a, a vital chapter in it. And that first thing was like, there's more. And then the second part was, you know what he left out? The value of prayer. The value of prayer. How do you leave that out? That's the most important thing. It's our connection with our Heavenly Father. It's where we get to tell Him how big. That's what, that's what worship is when we worship Him. We tell God how big He is. We make a big deal out of God. And the very thing, and I thought, you know something, in the hustle and bustle, He omitted that. But you know what's even more tragic? Is in the hustle and bustle of our lives that we omit prayer from our lives. And so many times God wants to have a communication. This is what it says. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. In the King James Version, the Greek word literally means holy. It means recognize that he is big. Now here's the problem. Sometimes we distract people from understanding how big he was or how big he is. And it's interesting because I'll go back to, I think it was 1988. Um, I was at a little church called, uh, or no, no, 1982. I was at a little church called Heightstown Church of God. It was up in Heightstown, New Jersey. I know you didn't recognize the accent. I get it. I was up there and this preacher was going crazy. Anybody ever go to a Pentecostal church? So different, right? I mean, just different, right? It's not better or worse, just different. Like we, we would call ourselves, if you want to, we're a Baptocostal church. So we're kind of right. But they, they were running around and throwing things and and the preacher was, you know, walking on chairs and all this other kind of stuff. And in the midst of us, he was telling everybody they were dying and going to hell. And I'm thinking, no, I won't go to hell. Like, is there another? And then in the midst of all this chaos, right? I remember a simple prayer. I just said this because I was raised in the Catholic church, but I didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so during this process, we would go to, you know, we would go to mass and, and catechism. And I learned first Holy Communion. I did all that stuff. But it was the first time I was encountered with the God of the universe, the God of the universe. And you know something? It wasn't the preacher. It wasn't, it was God's holy word that impacted my life. And it was one passage. Finally, the preacher got to the most important part. And he read this from Romans chapter three. It's been the most powerful passage in my life. I, I've read this thing so many times in messages because it really, like when you, when you start reading, you realize how big God is and what he did for us. It's in, it's in Romans chapter three. It's not gonna be on the side screen. Just let the words God's holy, living, breathing word just kind of penetrate. It says, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glory. Amen? Every one of us. And it says, yet God freely and graciously declared that we are righteous he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from all the penalty of sin. For God presented Jesus the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus Christ sacrificed life shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he, when he held back and did not punish those who had sinned in the past. For it was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in the present time. God did this to demonstrate his, righteous, his righteousness for he himself. It's fair and just and declares sinners to be right in sight when they believe in Jesus. And I remember falling on my knees at Heightstown Church of God going, that's a big holy God that would send his son to die on a cross, that it wasn't based on my merits, that it was based on his merits. 
This is why it drives me nuts when I see athletes and sports people and recording artists, they give, hey, the big guy upstairs, don't disrespect my father. And by the way, God's last name isn't a cuss word either. He's holy. I was listening to a prayer of a little kid and he prayed a prayer and he started with, you know, God bless my mommy and daddy and bless my, my sisters and brothers and bless my frog and my dog and bless my teachers. And he gets to the last line. And by the way, God, take care of yourself because if something happens to you, this place is going to be a mess. And that's the truth. Maybe his theology is wrong. But I'm telling you what, without God, this place, this world is an absolute mess. Take God out of the equation. Even as the world has tried, take him any more out of the equation, this place goes bad quick. Bad quick. Here's the second thing. Focus on what's most important. That's what the Lord's Prayer is teaching us. Uh, uh, I love what D.L. Moody said. D.L. Moody said, he said, um, spread out your petition before God and then say, thy will, not mine, be done. And can I just give us a truth, all of us a truth, if you're watching online, if you're in the atrium, wherever you're at, down at Sherwood, if you're here, we are selfish by nature. It's all about us. Matthew chapter 6, 10, this is why he says, may your kingdom come soon. May your what? Your will be done. I heard a story about a kid that got in trouble. His mom punished him. And maybe you've had to do this before. And uh, he was sent to, sent to his bedroom. He got into his bedroom and he, they were having chocolate cake. And, and his mom said, nope, that's your punishment. You can have chocolate cake. So this is what he prayed now. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. I, that's an awful prayer for kids, by the way. Did you ever really listen to the words of that? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray my Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I write, I'm like, whoa, awful. But he said, if I die before I wake, God, please save me some of that chocolate cake. <laughs> um, can I tell you the majority of the prayers that we pray are chocolate cake prayers? Hey, God, could you give me this? Can you give me this want over here? Not a need. Can you give me this want over here? I need this raise. I need this relationship to work out. Hey, by the way, God, while you're doing all that, could you fix that person? Because I'm not the one that needs to be fixed. Chocolate cake. That's all chocolate cake prayers. It's all about us. And when he says what he says about thy will be done, not, not my will, but yours be done. It's because of that. And here's what I've learned. Um, there's a book, it's called uh, Experiencing God. It's by Henry Blackaby. It's one of the most powerful books as far as relation, uh, just discipleship and relationship. But he says this, and this is what we do. And think about your life. So many times we're going, okay, God, I want you to be a part of this mission over here. I want you to be a part of this thing here. I want you involved in this relationship. Would you, would you, would you give me this job? Would you do this over here? And Henry Blackaby says this, we've got to get to the point in our lives where we're not asking God to join us, that we're joining God wherever he's at. That we're determining if God's doing this over here, how can I connect with the vision that you have for that ministry? How can I connect in that situation right there? And so many times our chocolate cake prayers lead us to wanting God to come over with us and God's going, I'm doing something over here. And we wonder why we miss, we miss the will of God for our lives. It's because of that right there. So what would happen if we did that? Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness above all else and, 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 and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. Not everything you want, but everything that you need. Here's the third thing. Understand God will provide. Now, we just got done singing this song, um, and I asked them to explain what the song was. It's Jira, right? Because it's a weird, we don't use, like, we don't walk up the, you know, hey, Tina, Jira today, hey. How many people have been around church a long time? How many people remember the original song, Jehovah Jireh? 
Raise your hand. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Y'all were in that church too? Some of you are looking at going, what? We did a song like that, and it was like this Jewish tune, and, and it got and I'm breaking things now. Can, can I just give me two seconds? Jehovah Jireh means this, a God who will provide. Don't miss that. In the midst of the chaos and the weird song and the weird word, it means God will provide for you. I don't know what's going on in your marriage. You may be like, it's empty. God's going to, God, God can provide for you. I don't know what's your relationship with, with your, your, God, God can provide for you. Your, like your job. I don't know what's going on. God can provide for you. God will. I love that. In all of the circumstances, I'm over here bawling my eyes out. Because just like you, there's circumstances in my life right now that I don't feel like I'm enough that I don't feel like the world's giving me enough, that sometimes I walk through, like, and I need God to provide in every circumstance. So what are the circumstances for your life? What's it look like? Matthew chapter 6, 11 says, give us today the food we need. Not the food, like the, the long-term. And this is a direct um, reference to what happened with the children of Israel, where at night um, or in the morning they would wake up, there would be manna, at night they would put it away. And it was just enough for that day. You know something? Man, what a prayer. What a prayer that would be. God, give me enough to sustain me just this day. And I know tomorrow you'll do the same exact thing. And the next day you'll do the same exact thing. I, I, I love the way Philippians says, it says in Philippians chapter four, verse 19, and the same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches, which he has given to us in Christ Jesus. He will do this. If you're a note taker, he will either meet your needs or reshape your thoughts. Did you hear that? He will meet your needs or he'll reshape, reshape your thoughts. Our fourth thing is this. This is the fourth, fourth aspect. I'm going to go quick because two weeks we're going to spend. So I'm encouraging you to be back because it's going to be really, really good. We're going to get deeper into the forgiveness part and the temptation. But always ask for forgiveness. Matthew chapter 6, 12. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. This is the part where we come to God asking for forgiveness. It, where we, you know, where we've fallen prey to the sexual temptation or inappropriate relationship or habits or addictions or attitudes or whatever. This is where we say, God, forgive me from these things. Like, take them away from me. John, uh, 1 John gives us a promise, 1 John 1, 9. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wicked, everything that happens, everything that we do. So in our lives, when those temptations come our way, which is the next one, seek God's power over the temptations. And don't let us shield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Um, can, can I give you, real quick, Satan's real. Like, and I think we've, we've almost become desensitized because we, we think of this little guy in a red suit walking around with a pitchfork and a little tail. The Bible says he, he, he masquerades as an angel of light. That, that he looks like truth. He looks like beauty. He looks and maybe even takes on the appearance of God. There's a part of the Bible that says they, 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 they believe, but they, they, they lack the power. They lack the substance. And, and let me tell you, he's got a purpose. And his purpose is to seek, kill, and destroy. John 10 says this, that the enemy comes to seek, kill, and destroy. And he says, but I have come to give you life and give you life to the fullest. And he wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy, you know, he wants you to end up you know, losing every, that's what he wants for you. And I'm telling you, it's, temptation's real. You, you know what's going to happen today? I'm telling you, just because I'm, some of us are going to go home 
and there's going to be a temptation on the computer or the TV. And we're going to have to back away from that. We're going to have to make a decision. And we need God's strength to help us with that. You know, at work, some of you tomorrow are going to go to work or maybe Tuesday because you have off tomorrow. You're going to go to work and you're going to be faced with a decision to do something that maybe is, is dishonest or maybe that, that, that it's not the right thing to do in your business. And you're going to have to make a decision. That's temptation. I, I love the way it says it in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It says the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can what? Endure. So you can endure, so I can endure. Anybody ever play, I know some of you young people are going to go, what a stupid, anybody ever play Pac-Man? Workle, 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 workle. Do you remember getting to the point where, like, you thought there was no escape, and then all of a sudden that little Pac-Man thing went off the screen, and you realize you can get over there, and you can get through there, and you come out on the other side? That's exactly what that scripture's saying. That when we're trapped, in our temptation, God provides a way of escape. He, he provides every time, every time, if we put ourselves in the position of wanting God to provide that. What would happen? What would happen is if we actually prayed that prayer and said, God, lead us not, lead me not today in my workplace, in my relationship with my spouse, with my kids, my anger, my addiction, whatever it is, what would happen in our lives if we would pray those prayers? Now, early in the service, Lee talked about it. We talked about the 930, and we dedicate this whole month to praying these kind of prayers. And I wanted to give you a prayer schematic, something that we can pray together through the 930. Also, if you're looking, if you look in your seat back, there's actually a calendar in front of you that we would love for you to follow along. So every day there's a scripture and there's a thought, and we can pray through this. On Thursdays at 9 o'clock, we're coming together as a congregation, as a church, and we're praying over the atrium. This past week we had like 50-something people over there, and we, we, we sang two songs and there was a short message, and then we, we prayed for 30 or 45 minutes. Uh, when we release you, we're going to ask you to write some of your prayers like we did last year. Write some of the prayers on all the walls. And there's already a bunch of those from Monday night when we ask people to fill out cards. But some of you maybe don't understand exactly what the 930 is. So we thought, let's give a great explanation of what the 930 is. So I want to introduce you to my friend Wendy, who's going to explain it all to us. Hi, I'm Wendy. And I am so excited that we are about to start the 930. The 930 is a time when we as Journey seek God by fasting and praying. We have chosen the month of September because we have seen God lead, guide, and direct us clearly during this time. Our first meeting as Journey Community Church was October 6, 2003. And before this meeting, the launch team decided to pray and fast for the entire month of September. During this time, God brought unity, expectancy, and a clear vision for the leaders of Journey. So now we set aside every September to fast and pray as a community. And each year, God has never failed to speak to us, to lead us, and to change lives. The 930 is a time for us as a church to seek God intentionally for the needs of our church as well as our own personal needs. We challenge everyone in our church to fast and pray for at least a portion of September. We believe that, as Jeremiah 29, 13 promises, those who seek God wholeheartedly will find Him. Our vision is to engage all people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We can do this by reading His Word, praying, and fasting, whether you've known Jesus your whole life or just a few days. The Bible is the primary way that God speaks to us. Reading His Word helps us to 
see more of who He is, what He's done, and how we're supposed to live in light of that. As we go through the 930, we commit to dig into His Word. Prayer is our way of communicating with God. Communication happens both ways. We pray in faith that God listens and will answer. We pray because the Bible calls us to do that and because we believe that God listens to His children. Fasting is the giving up of food, drink, or any other thing for a set amount of time to devote ourselves fully to God. These things can be anything from social media, TV, or even chocolate. As we set aside these things, we use that time to pray and seek God for repentance, direction, and favor. We cannot wait to come together as a community to fast and pray. We are excited to hear the stories of how God is moving in our church this 930. There's one key thought that Wendy said, and every time she says it, I think the same thing because we say it all the time around here. We see God move, it seems like, in big ways at the end of our 930, October, November, December, and into the first of the year. It really kind of centers us in the direction God wants us to go. So what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks is we're going to literally um, probably finish up the services about five minutes early, that we can spend time praying together, that we can have people come down to the front or uh, some of the prayers. I know you guys want to write them, write them down. And what's really cool is last year we got to like week three or four and all of a sudden we start seeing people circle and put crosses next to them because God was answering their prayers. And so the expectation is God's going to do exceedingly above all we can ask or imagine in our time. And we've watched this happen for 19 years. And so this is a, a proven thing that happens at Journey. So I want you to do me a favor. Just stand up real quick with me. And we're going to, um, we're going to pray. Um, and at any point today, um, before you leave, you know, maybe it's prayer for your, your relationship. Maybe it's prayer for your marriage. Maybe it's prayer for a kid. Or maybe, maybe you have a decision to make. Maybe you know, one, one person said like they had this really big job offer. It was making a lot more money. And, and God, they were praying that God would give them direction. Or maybe it's what school you should go to or you know, who you should date. Whatever it is, we want to be a part of that. So when I say amen, I'm going to just allow this front to be open. And if you don't need prayer, don't want prayer, you want to go write them out there, that's great. But just let's maintain the attitude of prayer while people are praying up here. And so you guys can just kind of sneak out. Um, I'm not going to probably dismiss everybody. We'll just say amen and then and, and let God do what he wants to do here. So, But at any point during this prayer, if you want to walk out, you want to walk down, you want to walk over, if you're over there, I would love to be a part of that. We're going to have our elders and some of our staff up front um, that will be available to pray over you, uh, whatever that prayer need uh, is. Amen? Let's pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, May your name be kept holy. God, God, that we would make a big deal of you. That your name is the one we want to make famous in our community, not our names. May your kingdom come soon. And may your will be done on earth. God, that we would attach ourselves to everything that you're doing. That during this time, we would ask you what direction you're moving so we can that we, we can we could latch on to what you're doing, that we can be a part of that, that we would seek your will and everything, that we would lose the selfishness that we were born with. Give us today the food we need, that we would understand that in every circumstance, you are more than enough. In our marriages, you're more than enough. In our raising of our kids, you're more than enough. In our church body, you're more than enough. In our mistakes and our addictions, you're still more than enough, God. And I pray that you would continue to teach us that. God, forgive us our sins. The sins that we committed this morning, the sins that we will end up committing 
tomorrow and the next day. And God, on top of that, would you help us forgive those who sin against us, that have offended us, that we would let that captive free, and that captive is us when we don't offer forgiveness. And God, don't let us yield to temptation. Though we're going to be faced with it, God, that you would provide a place of rescue, that you would find and help us with a place of retreat, God, that you would be with us in a real way. Rescue us from the evil one. God, we pray these prayers. Not just at 930, God, we pray these prayers over our life, or over, over our lives, God, day in and day out. And I pray that we would see your hand move over the next several days and months. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or would like to talk with someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.